0: and slaves the truth sets men free you cannot be free when you're embracing lies when you believe lies and so it's imperative that we preach the whole counsel of God if we hold back anything God's going to hold us accountable I don't believe that just pastors that preach falsehood are going to be are going to are going to be kept out of heaven I believe it's those who withheld the truth because to withhold knowingly withhold the truth is essentially to lie. It's to insinuate that something is either not important or it's not true.
1: Get ready for the uncloseted conservative hour you've been waiting for. No censors, no fake news, just facts and the freedom to speak them. Friends, if you are still in the conservative closet, I've got one question for you. Why? We've sat in silence. We've been on the sidelines for years. How has it been working out? That's why it's an uncloseted conservative revolution right here, right now. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the Joe Mobley Show. I am Joe Mobley, your host, and the original uncloseted conservative. Guys, we've got an awesome show for you today. Longtime friend of the show. You know him, you love him. We've got Reverend Bill Cook uh, with the Black Robe Regiment. Uh, the website is, the, black, the rev, website is blackroberegiment.us. And regiment has a T at the end of it, folks. Uh, just, you know, texting is making us dumber. Uh, maybe we'll touch on that later. But anyway, The show is presented by Birch Gold Group. Guys, if you want physical gold and silver products, if you want to secure the value of your savings in a precious metals IRA, similar to 401ks with your work or IRAs that you have with private brokerage funds, you've got to check out Birch Gold Group. They're the best in the biz for precious metals, IRAs, and physical gold and silver products. They've got a free gift for you. All you got to do to get it is text Mobley to 989898 and it will be delivered right to your phone. Text Mobley to 989898 today. All right, let's get into the interview with Bill Cook. Hey, Pastor Bill, how are you? Great. How's it going, Joe? It's going just fine. I'm here. I was away Friday. It's always weird not doing a live broadcast. Uh, and I've pre-recorded shows in the past, um, but it just throws off my schedule. So Friday, I had a pre-recorded episode, and I kind of am just like, oh, what, are, what am I going to do with all this time? But I usually have to pre-record because there's an event or something. Anyway, it is Tuesday. I'm back into the swing of things. Very excited to be uh, back with the listeners and speaking with you.
0: How are you? I'm doing well. I'm glad to be with you. Excited to be with you. Thanks for having me on. Of course, of course. So I uh,
1: jumbled the website there. So let's uh, let's get that squared away right now. Guys, the website is blackroberegiment.us. It's also in the description right below our lovely faces. Or if you're a podcast listener, uh, just scroll down into the show notes and boom, you'll see the website. Again, regiment is just one of those words that people have difficulty spelling. I'm sure you get a lot of error rates when people try and type this in. Uh, but, you know, it's all in English. It's black robe, regiment, like a military regiment.us. Really simple. Um, but go here and check out what Pastor Bill's got going on. Uh, <laughs> just love this securing the blessings of liberty. Okay. If that phrase is unfamiliar to you, then shame on you! You've you've got some work to do, um, but aside from the website, I've got to talk to you about Virginia Beach. We were in Virginia Beach together. It was an awesome time, uh, was. Clay Clark's event. Uh, but the night before, you did something super special, super awesome. Uh, I was in the area. I actually wasn't able to make it, but talk to us about that event and uh, what you had going on
0: down there. Well, we we Clay had had. Called me and said that he that he had come to the conclusion that pastors were really the key to turning America around. And he said in so many words, "We've we've really bet the farm on pastors uh, taking a stand in America." And he asked me to organize a pastors' event, which um, I did, and we called it Gideon's 300 because um, the, the metaphor. It's used it as a metaphor, but it's really a, it's story of Gideon is a fact of history that, um, a small army of 300 men actually defeated a much larger, much more powerful, much better armed military, uh, that were coming against Israel. And, uh, Gideon chose 300 men God helped him in choosing those 300 men and they actually defeated a, a great army. And so, uh, it was coming against, against Israel. And so, what what I have believed for a number of years is that it's not going to be a majority of pastors in America that um, turn this country around, but it's going to be a relative minority of pastors that do that. And even during the American Revolution, it was a, it was a relative minority of pastors who actually got involved, who actually had were in, were patriots and who were instrumental in the American War for Independence and in the in the lead up to the War for Independence, because they had. They had preached the political worldview in the founding charters for many years before the revolution began. began so that the ideas therein were, were pretty well known. They were ubiquitous among the American people. Um, so they were they were not only the they were not only they not only provided the moral impetus for independence, but they also provided moral leadership in the American War for Independence. Many of them fought in the Revolution. They carried arms. They led the men of their churches into war. Uh, they, they, uh, some, they served some of them as chaplains. Some of them paid the ultimate sacrifice in the war. And um, we're facing a, I believe in our day and age, much greater threat than we've ever faced before in America. And it's imperative that pastors relying really relying on the power of God step up in this battle and begin to contend for liberty in America.
1: So I thank you for sending me the pledge. I was looking at it, and there's so much in it. it it's tough to get through in one read because it, it's it's like you you read these books, you read these historical documents, and they're just chock full of of little gems. But immediately at the top here this is something that a lot of uh, Americans are unaware of, but especially a lot of Christians uh, need to understand that liberty is sacred and understanding that liberty is sacred, the gift of God bestowed by Jesus Christ upon his church, the bride of Christ. That's so important. And I love the capitalizations here because in many of our historical documents, the word liberty is always capitalized, uh, personified as, as something that has been gifted to us. Uh, in some ways, they, they describe it as you know uh, the laws of nature and nature's God. But they're they're talking about this free, this real, true freedom, and had the understanding that it's the freedom to do what is right, not licentiousness, not drugs, pornography, alcohol the freedom to do what is right, that liberty is sacred and has been gifted to us by the creator. And it's just like you you look at this and you try and get through it, and it's like something that you could study every line um, for a good long bit. Why did, why did you put this in here? Talk to us about that concept of liberty being a sacred gift of God.
0: Well, liberty... True liberty, or as, as I believe it was sometimes referred to as substantive liberty, liberty, is something that uh, that's unique to the church. You know, the scripture says that um, it's it, Paul talked about the children of disobedience, those who are still subject to the prince of the power of the air. When he when he said children of disobedience, he was talking about the children of Adam's disobedience who are born dead as, as the scripture said, you know, Bob Dylan used to sing. um, I was born already, already ruined stone cold dead. It's an old song as I came out of the womb. And really we are all born dead until we meet Jesus Christ, until we are born of God and we have the nature of God within ourselves. And so we are born slaves and we're under the, uh, we are ordered by the Prince of the power of the air. The spirit that works in the children of Adam's disobedience, and uh, so men are born slaves. So the only people that can possibly truly be free are people who are born of God, who are Christians, who have been regenerate, become regenerate by the Holy Spirit. And so, when we meet Jesus Christ, we have a unique—we have something unique about us. Um, We're not blind anymore. Our eyes are open. We can see what we couldn't see before. We can see things spiritually like we didn't before. And we also understand liberty, liberty from sin, liberty to do good and not evil. And, you know, Paul even said, Paul the Apostle even said, don't use your liberty as an occasion for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And so if if we think that government is unimportant, and we walk away from government, and we don't. We don't, as Christians, assert ourselves in government, assert our role in government. We have a role in government, then our country will devolve into tyranny. It all—it's it, inevitable. It becomes inevitable, and and to a great degree, that's what the church has done for the last uh, sixty years. It is—it is bought into the lie that government is secular. That government is—is—is. Is, is, uh, dirty business and that the church has no business in that. We just need to be out preaching the gospel and not being concerned with what happens in government. However, um, we are seeing what government under the control of children of disobedience is doing today. We're, We're on the verge of losing our country. And so we need Christians like never before to begin asserting their influence in government because the children of disobedience are not going to do it. That's that's essential. That's fundamental to a biblical worldview.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny you talk about Paul's writings, and have, has this ever happened? I, I shouldn't be upset about it, but but I am. There are there are certain verses, Bible stories, what have you, that have leaked out in the pop culture just enough that they've been like weaponized. Uh, against the church and you know people just living in this licentiousness, just saying, "Well, Jesus forgives," and it's like he does, but read the whole counsel of God and, and Paul sitting there talking about. So what then? The, the sin may abound, we just we just keep on doing our stupid stuff because we can just keep going back to Jesus. That's not how. That's not how true faith works. I don't I don't even want to say religion, because then that's another thing, like pop culture, like even the word. It's like when they say religion, it's like a weapon. It's mm-hmm. like they're throwing like a ninja star. Uh, but one of the ways to combat that is to actually study God's word. And I've listened to you speak about this a handful of times. It's Uncomfortable. You can see, especially. I imagine I wasn't there, but I imagine you have a a group of pastors. There can be some discomfort in the room, some shifting of seats, maybe some adjusting collars and and buttons and whatnot. But a big part of the issue, and I think that you've been a little soft-handed here. I'm gonna I'm gonna deliver it. A big part of the issue is uh, believers aren't consuming the whole counsel of God, mm-hmm. and pastors aren't preaching the full counsel of God from Genesis 1-1 to the end of Revelation. I should know how many verses are in, to the last verse of the Bible. Um, There there are people that are stuck in the New Testament. There are people that are stuck in the Old Testament. There are people that are stuck in the first five or nine or ten books. And it's so interesting uh, how these little groups develop. But you're someone, you are... You know you're a reverend you've've you've, you've done a lot of preaching um, but now you're speaking a specific message straight to the hearts of pastors in the American Church that you have a duty, a responsibility, not just to the nation, not just to the church but to God to preach the full counsel of God, even the things that are uncomfortable, the things that we're wrestling with. And I know for a fact, at least in my anecdotal experience, that there are pastors who are uncomfortable with certain things, so they don't preach it out of their their discomfort, their lack of understanding, or their unwillingness to open themselves and the church up to a conversation about it. Um, So we're here in free America. There's no YouTube. We could say whatever. YouTube. Uh, We could do a whole episode on just the battle with YouTube. Um, But what kind of lit that fire for you to bring that specific message to pastors that, hey, guys, you have a duty to preach the full counsel of God no matter what, no matter how uncomfortable, no matter how much pushback you get from your congregation. Maybe it's an elder... Uh, an elder board or deacons there. It, it's an uncomfortable conversation and you're having it all the time.
0: I am having it all the time. And, you know, the scripture tells us that we talk about Liberty, you know, scripture says, Jesus said, you will know the truth. If any man do God's will, if any, if any man is willing to do God's will, he will know the truth and the truth will set him free. Um, the truth is sets us free. If lies are the are the enslaved, they are the element of enslavement. If you look in the book of Genesis, uh, tyranny began with the serpent. And what the serpent attempted to do was he he and he succeeded in it, was he deceived Eve. And then Adam rebelled and partook of the forbidden fruit, and the human race fell, fell into sin, was subdued under sin. So the entire human race, everything that has flowed from that event is is more tyranny and and more deceit. Deceit enslaves. the truth sets men free. You cannot be free when you're embracing lies, when you believe lies. And so it's imperative that we preach the whole counsel of God. If we hold back anything, God's going to hold us accountable. I don't believe that just pastors that preach falsehood are going to be are going to are going to be kept out of heaven. I believe it's those who withheld the truth because to withhold knowingly withhold the truth is essentially to lie. It's to insinuate that something is either not important or it's not true. And so we have to preach the whole council of God. Council of God. Paul said he was free from the blood guilt of all men. Why? Because he didn't shun, declaring the whole counsel of God to his hearers. And so as pastors, we should be we should be frightened of not preaching the whole counsel of God. You know, we think about, you know, we worry that if I preach this, these people will leave, the people in my congregation who might be a little bit more democratically persuaded, they'll walk out and they won't want to come anymore and I won't get a chance to preach the gospel to them, whatever it may be. But, you know, the, the, uh, a bigger concern should be: What will God say if I don't preach the whole counsel of God? What's God gonna? What? What will be God's sentence on the final day when I stand before Him? When I? When God? He's going to ask us. He's going to ask every person who preached: uh, Did you hold anything back? Is there anything you weren't willing to to talk about in the pulpit? Is there anything in the Word of God that is not? Is there anything in life that's not addressed in the Word of God? And uh, I don't think there's anything in the in the in the uh, in life that's not that's spoken to by the Word of God in some capacity. And so um, we are we are we are making the determine pastors are making a determination that they're making themselves the ar- arbiters of what is important and what is not important. And in doing that, let's just take an example by by deciding not to preach. An election sermon, before every election, for instance, what they're essentially saying is, I'll be the judge of whether that's that's the important that I do that or not. But there's an entire generation coming up behind us that, in many ways, is ignorant, doesn't know its right hand from its left, that's counting on us, that is trusting us, our generation, to secure the blessings of liberty to them. Um... But what we are doing in our silence, in many ways, in our silence is we are essentially abetting their enslavement by a tyrannical government. So it's it it's imperative that pastors preach the whole counsel of God, and I would say in many ways they need to start preaching on the things they don't like preaching about. They have they have a sacred duty to do that, and if they if they don't want to do that, if they refuse to do that, they might want to seek a different profession because, you know, Scripture says that uh, they will suffer a stricter judgment, a more a more austere judgment by God. I, I was reading that
1: verse yesterday, or maybe this morning. I got up at five this morning, so it's been a long day already. Uh, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, it was this morning. We, we spoke about that at... Uh, 6 a.m. men's Bible study, <laughs> just wow. a heck of a time. You're serious. But uh, it's always a good time. It's funny, we spoke about that and finances. So very, <laughs> very inflamed uh, study this morning. Um, again, we we could speak for so long about so many of these things. Some that stood out to me, um, this third point down here, um, the church is the light of the world, the salt of the earth, coming out of uh, the fifth chapter of Matthew. Um, but this uh, idea in civil society that we are to be the keepers of the blessings of liberty—I think that just that simple statement, there are a lot of Christians that would push back against that. Um, when I've experienced the the pushback, where people will come to me and they'll say, like, eh. they try and make it a weaker brother thing. And it, it's, a, it's not a good application. And and we have these talks one-on-one when it's appropriate. Um, but they'll just say, hey, they just completely disagree with my lifestyle. They don't like that I'm a political activist or a podcaster or an XYZ. And and they, you know, I, I kind of take after Pastor Brad Hill. Like, hey, I'm prepared to have whatever conversation, but you need to have your crap together when you get there. Um, because I, I'm not a frivolous or flippant person. I... I believe that what I'm doing is right and good and I'm pursuing righteousness. So you got to come with something better than I don't like it. Um, (laughs) I imagine you calling out people on a large scale and saying you are the keepers of the blessings of liberty. There are people that are just going to be like, "Uh, no, no, I I, I don't want to do that. Um, This is Congress's job or this is the president's job or the Pope or... Or someone else. What what? What's that like? Um, I, I imagine you get pushback. If you don't, then that's great too. That would make uh, wherever you live uh, the unicorn uh, <laughs> of all places. Um, and and we'll we'll get a house, you know, across the street. Um, but what, what's it like when you're talking to people about this concept in our society? Uh, in the world not of the world but you've got to engage with the culture you can't divorce yourself from it that's to surrender the culture to satan um then well then we when I use the it.
0: term keeper keeper of the blessings of liberty what I mean is guardians it's a it's an it's a stewardship that's been entrusted to the church again it comes down to who is a child of god and who is a child of disobedience and um we are uniquely qualified to keep to be keepers or guardians of the blessings of liberty we are the curators of our of our of of our communities and in one sense what that means is you know in 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 more liturgical expressions of the church they use a term called a pastor's cure and um you know if you, when you say a pastor's cure you'd say the sheep that are under his staff the sheep that are under his shepherd's crook and, um, but if we think about it, um, you know, in, in the Catholic church, as an example, what they do is they, they, they teach that a pastor's cure is not just the people that come to his building on Sunday mornings, but it's the people in the broader community around the church that where the church exists. And so they have dioceses, they have parishes, and even though a pastor may not, he even though he may not interact directly with everyone in his community all the time. He needs to be available to them. He needs to minister to their needs and be available to them when the need arises. And so our, we need to broaden our understanding of what a what a pastor shepherd Rick, if you will, is to encompass the larger community, and that would include government. Um, if, the, if the government becomes tyrannical around us, and we don't do something to to change that, then again, who's going to do it? If we don't do it, if the church doesn't do it, who is going to do it? And so, um, you know, again, we're going to be held accountable to that. Um, you know, we think. You know, my wife and I were talking this morning about the abortion issue. Uh, we we have a, a ministry we started called Project Josiah, which is I would say it's pretty low impact. We're not advocating any violence or anything super radical. We're just saying Christians need to find the nearest abortion clinic and go there on a consistent basis and pray for its closure because it's innocent blood being shed in our communities. And so we need to care about that. Um, Even though, even though, you know, unborn babies can't speak for themselves, somebody needs to speak for them. So it's simple. We're just saying, come to the nearest abortion clinic and pray for it to close, pray for it to end. And um, you, you would not believe how hard it is to get people to do that um we were very excited a couple weeks ago when a couple came down from actually Loudoun County here in Virginia they were I believe they might go to the same church that you do uh Cornerstone and they came down and the mother Oh, I got a I got a Percival Baptist oh okay This this is a group a couple that goes to Cornerstone but she the mother was uh she, just a beautiful couple, beautiful children, uh, unbelievable. And they, she's written songs uh, about praise songs about abortion. She just had her kids out there singing in front of the clinic. It was so exciting and and blessed to see these kids. You, you just fall in love with them when you, when you met them. And uh, it, it was, it was a, really well, it was a very precious
1: time. Cornerstone's not a church that struggles with, the, or Pastor Gary's not a pastor that struggles <laughs> no, with, uh, he with this stuff. He, he would have he signed the big John Hancock one on the play. <laughs> it, it looks like
0: someone did too. I saw that. That's so actually I, uh, Pastor Ben Graham. Yeah. <laughs> I believe he's a, either a nephew or he's a direct relation to, uh, or a, Direct relation to the Graham family, Billy Graham family. Here, let me pull that up. There yeah, it is. Th-
1: this one uh, right here, guys. <laughs> uh man, this is so cool. So how how are we moving forward with this? Because this is this is something that a group of pastors did, which is awesome. Um, but you know, you're not done, Black Robe Regiment's not done. The the need for this in our community, we haven't scrolled down to the pledge guys, but there, there's a pledge here. Um, there, there is a pledge here that is really, this is very biblically based. It's God honoring. These, these are good things, but they're essential things, um, for restoring, you know, this nation, the direction that we're headed in just because we don't have a national religion like, Middle Eastern countries and and some European countries, we can be a nation of righteousness that is moving towards God instead of running away from him. And I think that this is is pivotal um, in in achieving that. So how do we get this in front of
0: more pastors and this message to just move? Well, I'm glad you asked and uh, what we are do what we've done is we've created a website right now the url may change at some point but what we're doing is it's the url is the t h e a b r r .org and on that site the entire pledge is is uh, is dis- is displayed there's also a way that there's also a feature on the page where you can virtually sign the pledge and put your information in as a pastor. And what we're saying is we are going to, we are creating a, a relational database, a searchable database of pastors and churches that will preach the whole counsel of God. Because um, at the event in Virginia Beach, Jim Garlow put me in a bit of a weird position when he said, go to a church that preaches the whole counsel of God. And I can't tell you how many people came back to the table after that and asked if I knew of church, I can provide them with a list of churches in their area. And I don't have that right now. I have some of the churches. I do have some churches, but I don't have an exhaustive list across the nation. And so we're going to take every every church and pastor that signs this and uh, we're going to make it available to people that are looking for a church where, where the pastor preaches the whole counsel of God so that, um, so that if. If pastors want to get their name on this list, go to this website. It's it's uh, theabrr.org. Re- read and sign the pledge, and you will be added to the list of churches that are ser- in the searchable list of churches on that list. I'm hoping there'll be a lot of pastors that do it, but um, we'll have to see. You know, it's it's a pretty... It's a pretty significant commitment, as you as you have said, Joe. And uh, it's not child's play what we're doing. It, it requires a real commitment, and it requires people with the metal and the courage to do the things that need to be done. So, um, we we need more pastors to join this to join this effort across the country. And it'll I'll tell you if the more pastors that do this we'll start to see America turn around. God will bless our efforts because we need, we need as a nation to turn to righteousness. And, um, you know, right now we're battling, we're not, we're battling not just tyranny, but we're battling ourselves in many ways because of our fear. We're letting ourselves be controlled by false narratives and so forth. And, um, it's time, it's time for the church to be the church to stand up and take a stand and saying that I'm, all, I'm just about preaching the gospel, is doesn't cut it. It's not, you know, just the good news of Jesus Christ by itself. The message that Jesus died, suffered, died, and rose again, and is coming back. That is not the whole counsel of God. It, it encapsulates the whole counsel of God. But there's other things we need to do as Christians. And like I said before, there's a whole generation that's counting on us. Entire gener- I, got, I have. I mentioned this before. I have five gra- five kids, ten grandchildren, and they are counting on us. And what I see right now, if if this the trajectory of our land does not change, they aren't going to have a country. They're going to oh, live. Yeah. They're going to live in a tyrannical state. And um, you know, we can we can romanticize. Well, you know, the church is. Th- we can say the church has always thrived in persecution. Big deal you know um we have to thrive in persecution but there's no reason we have to go through it if we'll do the things that are right to to do the to secure liberty the reason we're under persecution the reason that persecution is looming is because the church has given its has given silent consent to the things that are being done throughout our society whether it's abortion whether it's sodomy lgbtq whatever it is the this the alphabet soup of acronyms um, from the left. It's because the church has not done what it needed to do.
1: I was counting the other day. They're up to one quarter of the alphabet. Uh, So that's how many letters there are. Yeah, I think it's LGBTQ. Wait, I always say a joke and I say LMNOP. Those aren't the right. It's, (laughs) It's LGBTQIA and plus. I, who the heck knows what, what the plus is now, but on It's the anything yeah, goes
0: alphabet of, uh, of, of, uh, world views.
1: Yeah. That's eight letters. That's more than a quarter of the alphabet. It's, it's getting insane. It's going to be a third or half of the alphabet soon. Um, which is just nonsense. Uh, you know, uh, well, two things. One, Totally forgot to say this, guys. Thanks for listening to the show. Make sure that you're subscribed, however you're consuming this. And if you're a podcast listener, uh, definitely rate and review the podcast. Uh, my my reviews have been going through the roof. So thank you guys for that. Continue to share it with people that you know. will either enjoy the content or will be challenged by it and, and can spark some good conversation. We love that here. And I love hearing all of your thoughts, uh, whether you agree or disagree, love hearing what you have to say, email those thoughts to ask at the Joe Mobley best way to get a hold of me. Um, one way that you are sure to get a response uh, email, the address is ask at the Joe Mobley Where you just left off uh, was just sparking in my mind The importance of Christian worldview, because what happens is, I I forget, I think it was Dr. Michael Smith at Liberty University was was, uh, preaching a sermon. He was teaching a class. I had him for um, New or Old Testament, I don't recall at the time, Um, but he was talking about church, the building church, the thing that you do on Sunday morning, not necessarily being for people apart from the church, because as a pastor, you can really get consumed with the I don't even know if this is appropriate or not, but it's something that people will relate to. Pastors can become consumed with the idea that a person's eternal damnation is on their shoulders. They've got to do the altar call. They've got to present the gospel, the, the Jesus Christ, you know, and Christ alone, uh, Christ as Savior and usually, unfortunately, sometimes not Christ is Lord, but Christ is Savior. He came and he was born a man and died for you um, to get that relationship started. I don't know what that pressure is like. I'm not a pastor and I don't play one on TV, but church is for fulfilling and renewing the spirit of the, the people, the, the actual church. And for us, you know, I, I what I love about church is the pastor is helping God's revelation come alive to me and deepen my understanding—not of myself or my family, but my understanding of God. That's what the Bible is about. The Bible is not about us; it's about God revealing mm-hmm. Himself to us throughout the ages. It's it's awesome. A lot of churches have moved away from that, and it's causing biblical worldview problems where the butts and the seats. Don't actually have a biblical worldview. Um, I don't know if you've seen this, and can you speak to that some? Because a, not to say that people at church are bad. You know, we're all sinners. We we all deserve the same thing, and and by by grace uh, we are saved because of Jesus. Yes, that is good. Do teach that. Uh, but we need for a biblical worldview to be established, and a lot of people don't go to Liberty University, or they don't. Watch theological, uh, you know, doctrine-infused theological debates on YouTube or or theological podcasts. They they go to church and that's you know they're being preached and their biblical worldview is being built up. Except for now, it's not.
0: Yeah, I would say one of the I would say the best thing that somebody can do to 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 inculcate a biblical worldview in their heart and mind. Is to begin to read the Word of God on a regular basis. Study the Word. You know, Paul wrote to Timothy, said, "Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing, you know, carefully partitioning the Word of God, understanding the principles in God's Word." And um, for me, you know. You know what has given me a biblical worldview is not my uh, not going to not just going to church, but it was a voracious hunger for the Word of God to study God's Word on a regular basis, to to essentially drench my mind in the Word of God. And uh, after I first came to Christ in 1973, my mother told me it's clear that you're. She wasn't a believer at the time, but she said your 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 thinking is actually becoming clearer. I can tell that you've become your mind has become clearer. And, um, the word of God, it's, it's, it's actually, I think has a healing effect on the mind. Let's say your mind is deteriorating. Maybe your memory's going, whatever. Um, I believe the word of God will help. It's the mind was made. Human mind was made to be an ideal repository, but you know, storage facility, if you will, for the truth, it was made to store truth. It was made to house the truth. And so when we put into the, into the, human mind, the word of God and the human heart, the word of God, it not only restores our hearts, but it also, I believe, restores our minds. And I believe that's what we need to be doing is, is you know, really immersing ourselves in the word of God, like you dive into a pool, you know, uh, into water and and fill the mind with the word of God, because it will, it, I guarantee you, it will transform your life. And uh, so that's, that's one thing. The, the, the truth is that in the church today, we're, we're, according to, at least according to George Barna's research, uh, the church is in a very frightening place in terms of its understanding of the of the truth, of, of a biblical worldview. I think maybe it's estimated that 6% of people who call themselves evangelicals have a biblical worldview, and uh, pastors are not much better. So it, wow. when you think about a biblical worldview, um, you know, you may be thinking I'm going to church and I'm going to get a biblical worldview, but you might not be getting a biblical worldview. It's it's kind of a crapshoot. You, you've got to you've got to first make sure your pastor has a biblical worldview. Because if he doesn't, that's not what he's going to be communicating. Um, it's it's imperative. And um so we we've, we've got a lot of remediation to do in this area and one of the things we're going to do we our entire websites being revamped right now it's being it's being uh, redone it's being filled out with more information we're going to be putting up tools for a biblical worldview that people can use uh, there's a lot of websites that, that, that provide that information uh, Jim Jim Garlow has a couple of them that he told me about that people can can they can look to to get information to fill their their hearts and minds with with the idea of what is a biblical worldview, you know, if if uh, we we tend to think that the way to get people saved is we have to get them to go to church and they have to respond to an altar call and go up front and you know raise their hand and get saved. Well, it's been done that way forever in America, but in reality, you look at the Book of Acts, and it says the Lord was adding to the church daily such as should be saved. He was adding to the mm-hmm. he was adding to the church. And uh, really, the 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 um, demarking principle in the salvation of individuals was that they they believed the gospel that was being preached. It didn't say they had to raise their hand and they had to go forward and you know go into a back room somewhere and have somebody explain more to them. You know, <laughs> yeah. it, it 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 just. It just isn't in the book of Acts, but it's the people that believe the truth and were transformed by the truth. Because again, he that believes and is baptized will be saved. That's what the scripture says. Um, so um, we may not we may not acknowledge everybody that's being saved who is being saved, but um, the the, uh, the defining element is believing the gospel and responding to it appropriately, believe and be baptized. It's wild when
1: you know it's one thing when there are certain like spiritual disciplines that people don't engage with, like tithing um, or whatever convictions that they have on their hearts. But it's nuts when you look at when you look at the studies about the behavior of the church in America, some of the things are just nuts. I remember um, I, I used to lead worship in a church in Oklahoma, and we'd be talking about you know numbers sometimes. And I remember seeing one of the stats was at that time, this is sometime between 2013, 2018, or 19. Um, the American churchgoer went to church, the average American churchgoer went to church twice a month, so about every other week. And that just blows my mind. <laughs> like, like we really, we really phone in a lot of things. Um, but then you get into the individual prayer life. Um, there's there's a lot, you know, to be desired about the prayer habits of of the the modern American church. Um, and then scarily so reading the Bible, just reading it. And people tell me all the time, well reading the Bible every day is a gargantuan task. It's like, no, it's not. It could be a chapter. Where I mean, maybe it's a little bit much for you to read a book of the Bible every day. It's not to read a chapter or to read a couple of verses. Maybe read one of those little paragraph sections with the nice little, I mean, the way that it's been delivered to us and there are unreached people that, the beauty and intricacy of God's creation is what they're responsible for seeing revelation from. And we have leather-bound books with verses, chapter and verse and heading titles and sections and the little thumb cut out so you can see the name of the book from outside and you don't actually need to know the order of the book. And people will say, I don't have time. It's too hard. we've got a dozen wild like widely accepted translations, and then several on top of that,
0: yeah, uh, America's probably the most bibled country in the world. um you know we have probably more Bibles in America if Bibles transform lives uh America would would not be in the mess that it's in, and you know i I think <laughs> what that, you mean uh,
1: just having the book doesn't do it.
0: <laughs> Just putting it on my shelf over there doesn't, it's not transforming my life. Um, you know, but here, here's the thing. Um, we live in the day, we live in the age of DVD machines and wireless uh, digital machines that, that play music at, on demand. And uh, we have digital books. We have, we have every conceivable digital means of hearing the Bible. So it's good to interact. I mean, it's good to hear and it's good to interact with your eyes with the scriptures. But if, let's just say how, how most people drive to work every day. There are times, or they drive home from work. If they drive to work, then they end up driving home from work too. And so they're really, the the, the idea that we don't have time for the word of God really is a miss, it's just, a it's wrong. It's not true. Uh, we just don't make time for it. And so, um you know, one of the things that I remember doing as a young believer is I had the Word of God play. We used to have this show on a local radio station here in in Northern Virginia, called. Uh, there was a gentleman. It's called through the. It was called. Um, What's it called? the The person who paid for the time on the radio was uh, a guy named Russ Fiedler. He's he's deceased now, but he used to uh, buy time fifteen minutes a, a, a day on on by at least one radio station where the Bible was was played for 15 straight minutes and I used to listen to it every day and and uh you know more than once a day and so we we have so many opportunities to read the word of God if you have an iPhone if you have any if you have any kind of PDA the bibles readily available you can download it to your phone or to your or to your PDA and you can play it whenever you're driving to work whatever and in between times in fact when i as a as a um as a new believer I used to have Somebody, somebody gave me a little Gideon's New Testament. I used to take that with me wherever I went. That thing never left my sight. And if I was sitting between classes at college, I would I would pull it out and begin to read it. And God really used that to teach me the, to teach me his word. Um, you know, um, when I talk on shows like this and I talk about the Word of God, I'm not I don't have to go through memorization before the show if I'm going to say something. It's just the Word of God is in me. And so I have recall of it. The Holy Spirit gives me recall and I can I can say certain things like when I quoted Paul saying to Timothy, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed. Yeah. You know, and he will do that. God will do that to us for us.
1: This is a really strange experience. I worked in the jail once upon a time. And while recidivism rates are high, which means that someone who's in, in prison is very likely to re-offend and uh, you know, commit other crimes and, and, and go back to prison, um, it's, it's not 100%. And these, these are people that literally, you know, no pun intended or whatever, but they have nothing but time on their hands. They, they play mm-hmm. a lot of games and they read a lot of books. And, and obviously, just like in hotel rooms... <laughs> In prisons, Uh, there are just Bibles readily available, whatever translation you want. Um, There are other books of faith, too, but the, the Bible is by far the most popular one. Yes, there are con people. Yes, there are people that are running all types of lies and storytelling to try and get good behavior, to try and get this, try and get that. But it is very interesting. For for almost two years, it's kind of, you know, I would spend 12, 13, 14 hours a day with these people. Um, So you really do get to know who they are, hear their stories. They read the Bible. Many of them read the Bible for hours a day. No matter what kind of person you are, you can't expose yourself. Um, You know, you can't spend that amount of time with God and his truth and and not be transformed in some kind of way, and obviously whether it was right or wrong, um, I would encourage it. When when they were asking for things to do, I had a ton of doctrinal debates or or just conversations with um, with inmates who were asking questions because I didn't hide the fact that I was a Christian, and I don't think that anyone should. You, the people that say, oh, I don't want to get fired from my job, screw that. I would I would rather get fired for having a conversation with someone about theological issues than keep my job and shun the truth seeker. Like what a stupid trade. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. All that to say, you're absolutely right. Just the the renewing of our our minds, just reading God's word is literally. One of the only things that you need to do, you you do need to have that prayer life, which isn't always just speaking. A lot of times, it's it's the word meditation is almost like taboo, but it's listening uh, in silence. Some might call that meditating. Um, yeah, but you you are transformed by that, and you're absolutely right. That's how you get a biblical worldview. Uh, it is there. There is not. Uh, I interviewed a guy, his name was um, Gary Binford. He's got a show, I think it's called United Patriots Uprising. And he said, God has an opinion about everything Mm -hmm. and it's in there. Just like you said, there is no situation known to man that God has not opined about. We just need to go and seek it out. It's literally in the book. Like it couldn't be easier. And we have Google folks. (laughs) Yes, we do. Are are we kidding? We can Google our our biblical issue.
0: Just a few verses on the word of God itself. The scripture says that uh, the grass withers. We know that's true because we see Mm -hmm. it every day. The flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Jesus, when he was confronted by the devil, when he was tempted by the devil, he said, man shall not live by bread alone. Bread is necessary. We need it to survive physically. But he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Not just 95% of the words that come out of the mouth of God, but 100% of those words. And um, the psalmist wrote, um, thanks for putting up that verse. The psalmist wrote, I have esteemed your words more than my necessary food, more than my natural food we we have to understand that um that the very the, the whole that the entire universe is standing right now upon the word of god if if the word of god ceased to let's say just hypothetically the word of god was no more the entire universe would com- would crumble but it's being held together every the planets are held in their courses by the word of god and um so are the nations. The nations are, are standing upon the word of God. They exist by the word of God. So it's 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 a it's a powerful. The word is a powerful force in in nature, and um, we we really shortchange ourselves when we we don't invest time in the word of God. Yeah, one of my uh,
1: favorite. Uh words about the word of God is John 1.1 1, 1. in the beginning in the was beginning. the word Amen. and the word was with God and the word was God uh, which you you can get a lot of sermons you can get hour long sermons out of John 1.1 1, 1. Um, but you know you want to learn about God the Father uh, the Holy Spirit Jesus personified wisdom all of these things yeah you can you can write dissertations about this verse but um yeah all all of those things that you said everything will wither away everything will decay except for the word of god and i i don't think that a lot of people treat it like what it is um especially yeah. in hearing i don't have time for this
0: yeah it's wild um you know um what did, what did what did uh god tell joshua the word of this law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate therein day and night that you may be careful to do everything written therein and that you may have good success in your endeavors i'm paraphrasing that a little bit but um You know, God didn't say, now, now Joshua, I know how busy you are, um, you know, invading promised land. And I know you're going to find it hard to have a quiet time. (laughs) He didn't say that to Joshua. (laughs) He said, you shall, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate there day and night. And so it's, if it wasn't important to do those things, God wouldn't have said it, Mm -hmm. you know. He wouldn't have said it. I mean, the creator of the universe, the one who made us, who knows how we are wired, who knows exactly how, who put us together in our mother's womb, says to us, you shall meditate therein day and night and you shall not let it depart from your thoughts. Give yourself to it and you'll have success. And so um, I think we need to listen to the word of God before we listen to our own our own, uh inclinations oh yeah yeah it sounds like
1: you were uh it sounds like you were eavesdropping on this morning's uh bible study really? <laughs> lots, no. lots of that uh same <laughs> conversation
0: uh but, all right well go ahead i just want to i just want to say um you know god tell jesus said to um Love your, love your enemies. Then he also said, love your, love your neighbor as yourself. And uh, our neighbors are not just the people that are alive today. Our neighbors are the people who are yet to be born. They are the, they are the people of the next generation, in, in let's just say in America itself. And so um, we, we can't allow our countries to devolve in, into despotism. And think that we're loving our neighbor. We're just not, because there are people that are ignorant. There are people that are yet to be born, that are that are they they aren't counting on us yet if they're not born. But they're yet to be born that will will look back and say, "What did you do? What did you leave me?" And um, we have to do whatever we can to secure the blessings of liberty. That's why it says that the liberty is the church's sacred trust it's it's we are the keepers of the blessings of liberty they're entrusted to our generation and we need to we need to pass them on to the next that's what securing the blessings of liberty to ourselves and to our posterity means um we we have to love we have to love the generation yet to be born and uh and those who are ignorant they don't even understand what liberty is right now they can't tell the right hand from their left and um I believe we have a holy charge uh, to do that.
1: Absolutely. Um, so I'll let you finish out on this thought. People uh, asking for next steps, Chronicle, Second Chronicles 7, uh, 14. Man, that's small. Oh, I zoomed on the wrong screen. Technology is hard. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yes,
0: Um, here, let me, that's interesting that you put that up because, uh, we are, I just recently had a, had a phone call with a gentleman named, a brother named Kevin McGarry. who's based in Southern California and another gentleman in Southern California, Jeff Daly, who leads something called the national day of repentance. And I need to introduce you to them. And, uh, we talked about the need for what we really need right now in our country for this country to turn around is the church we need a we need a national day of repentance we've had our rallies in washington where the church marches into washington where patriots march into washington and we say that our rights are being violated and you know we're a constitutional republic and those those rights should be restored that the government shouldn't be doing the tyrannical things it does but i believe that we're in a time where we're in the mess that preceded Second Chronicles seven fourteen, and we need to humble ourselves before God in repentance. And um, I believe that's what God is calling our the church, the church in America to. Because I don't believe the unbel- unbelieving world really knows what it means to repent. Um, I don't think we the the unbelieving world has is capable of understanding why we're in this mess. But the church needs to give itself to repentance, even though maybe we don't think that we are directly responsible for the things that are being done. Mm-hmm. Uh, in many ways, you know, silence is consent, and the church in its silence has really given consent to a lot of the evil that's being done in our society today, and it's silence and inaction. And so we need to repent before God, not just of our inaction and silence, but also whatever it is in our lives that we've given ourselves to, whatever, what, whether it's what, whatever kind of sin it might be. It could be it could be um, abusive substances. It could be pornography. It could be any number of things. It could be unfaithfulness before God. We need to repent and ask God to forgive us. And um, I believe if the church goes to, went to Washington, D.C. on its face, humble before God and beg God for forgiveness and the need for our land to be restored. I believe that God would hear that prayer. He would. He would um, heal our land. Our land desperately needs healing today, and so I'm so glad you brought that verse up because that's one of the things that that we're going to be working on coming up is the National Day of Repentance.
1: Awesome. Well, hey, I look forward to um, connecting more about that and learning all about that. Um, for the podcast listener that can't see it, that verse, Second Chronicles. Um, now I just forgot. That. I think it's 714. I don't feel like scrolling up. Uh, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Uh, it's the verse that we're talking about. Uh, guys, the websites are blackroberegiment.us. It's in the description right now. Um, and the theabrr.org will be in the description soon, uh, but this is where you can go and actually see the Gideon's 300 pledge that's up on your screen and that we uh, spoke about today. Um, something is happening in the nation. Um, Pastor Bill Cook here is is right in the center of it. Uh, you know, I'm People say finger on the pulse. Uh, I don't know why that's stuck in my head right now, um, but he's got his finger on the pulse. So definitely uh, keep up with him. You can follow him on Twitter. It's at Black Robe Rev. Right. Yeah, I can read that. There we go. <laughs> it's a, it, This is what happens when I wake up at five. At Black Robe Rev, uh, and the link to that is you guessed it. It's right below our talking heads. Um, or in the description, if you're a podcast listener. Um, here, there you go. For you visual people, yes, this this guy is the same guy that you've been looking at for the last hour. Uh, so go give them a follow. Make sure you keep up uh, with what they've got going on. Um, sign, sign the pledge if you're a pastor. I know that they would love to have you on board. Um, mm-hmm. And this this community of believers, this is how... Uh, we're going to get it done. Hey, you you signed the pledge. You 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 preach right, which is the whole counsel of God. And then you and your church go to D.C. and, and repent and pray for healing. It's like a whole thing. I can see it coming together. <laughs> oh, well, Bill, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, uh, Joe. Is there anything
0: else? Been, no, this is great. This has been wonderful. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you awesome. for doing this.
1: Well, you guys have an awesome Tuesday. We'll see you next time.
0: Sounds good. Look forward to being with you again.
1: Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Joe Mobley Show. Remember to subscribe and make sure you don't miss out on future content. You can always show your support by leaving a review or making a financial contribution by going to thejoemobleyshow.com and hitting support the show. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. If that was the first prayer you've ever prayed, I hope it won't be the last. Until next time, this is The Joe Mobley Show.